going on it's your hot stove edition consider this the winter meeting of me chris and scott guys where are the winter meetings right now yeah cool is it technically winter no you are asking i've never experienced a winter adam so i have no idea (laughs) it's like a week before winter most of december is fall isn't that weird yeah 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 most of september is summer most of march is winter yeah, it's weird. Most of June is spring. And I'll tell you what, the, the baseball stove is a lot hotter than the weather right now. Oh! I don't know who did that. I think it was Chris, right? That was me. Yeah, yeah that was Chris. Um, all right, let's get into it. Uh, and then we're going to take a look at Scott's shortstop rankings. We'll talk about Trey Turner, Trevor Story. See if Scott can get Chris to like Corey Seager and Alberto Mondesi. Has not been easy. Um, but Paul Goldschmidt got traded shortly after our last podcast to the Cardinals uh, for Luke Weaver. Car- I mean, Luke Weaver, Carson Kelly, and forever Andy Young. Forever Andy Young. And a draft pick. Uh, value up down to the same for Paul Goldschmidt, Scott White. I think it's basically the same. He had a history, obviously, Arizona being... Historically, a great place to hit. He had a history of doing better there than on the road. Uh, but obviously, things changed in Arizona last year with the humidor, and his numbers were actually much, much better on the road, like even more extreme than they had ever been the other way before then. So I, I feel like star caliber players, they have, uh, they kind of take the path of least resistance to their best nut. No- to their to their usual numbers more often than not. So uh, I think he's going to be fine in St. Louis. I think he showed over the final four months of last year that he's as good as ever and uh, should still be a first-round pick, or at least a second-round pick. Yeah. Goldschmidt had an OPS over 1,000 in his last 110 games after a 675 OPS in his first 48 games. Uh, he will be, he is 31 years old and only seven steals last year. So he's, you know, probably almost certainly not going to be a first round pick, but uh, I'm sure we all would love to have Goldschmidt in the second round. And we've talked a lot about him in the offseason, but what about, uh, Luke Weaver, Carson Kelly, and Andy Young and a draft pick, Chris? What do you think about this return for the Diamondbacks? It's a light return, uh, from a baseball perspective, but it's interesting for fantasy. Carson Kelly finally gets an opportunity to play every day. He is still only 24 years old. Um, you know, his, his prospect status has taken a bit of a hit as he's languished at AAA. He's been there for now three seasons, but you know, he, he's a, he's a catcher with a, with a pulse <laughs> uh, and, you know, presumably 110 starts next season. So, you know, if he gets 110 starts, he could hit 15 homers and, you know, 275, and that might be enough to make him a top 12 catcher. What happened to Luke Weaver last year? Luke Weaver went from a guy who, in his rookie year in 2017, 
had a 2.05 ERA in his first 11 appearances. Then he absolutely bombed in his last two starts, 14 earned runs and seven and two thirds. But he looked he looked like completely legit. 65 strikeouts and 52 and two thirds in those first 11 starts. And then he comes yeah. out last year, 4.95 ERA, uh, better as a starter, 4.66 ERA, down to 116 strikeouts and 129 and a third. Scott, is Luke Weaver salvageable? Well, I think that's really what this deal hinges on. Um, the Cardinals obviously didn't believe he could get them through the ninth <laughs> after all that. So the Diamondbacks are taking a chance on it. And I, the, as best I can tell from the data, he didn't do as good a job getting ahead in the count last year. Like he still threw strikes at a pretty typical rate, but I, he seems like it doesn't seem like he has a varied enough arsenal to get away with pitching behind in the count. And I mean, most pitchers can't really pitch like that anyway. That's my theory right now. Anyway, it wasn't just a small sample in 2017 that got us excited about him. You look at his minor league track record for his minor league career. The ERA is barely over two. So I, he I didn't have the strikeout rate. He has, he, had he had a strikeout per inning, but I mean, not, not what he did in 2017. Right. I don't know that he's going to be like. I don't think he has ace potential. Do you draft him? Do you guys draft Luke Weaver? Let's say you're doing a twenty-ish yeah. round draft. Yes, twenty rounds. I don't know yeah. that I do. I think you're. I, 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 I think mean, you're looking for for upside in the late rounds, and I think he has some. I'm not super enthused about Luke Weaver, but we saw enough from him that yeah, I'll take a flyer. There's. I, I just think there's so many pitchers who you could say, oh, this guy has upside. He's worth a flyer. Carlos Rodon, Reynaldo Lopez. I think I'd look to those types before I look to Weaver. But I, I, I do think there's still potential there. I'm glad he's going to get a chance now. This trade assures him that it didn't look like he was going to get that chance in St. Louis. So I, I would rather him be pitching for someone and um, and we'll see what it leads to. All right. Would you guys oh. rather have Luke Weaver or Nate Evaldi? Or Nate? I should really call him Nathan Evaldi. It appears oh, definitely Evaldi. I'm, I'm kind of bullish on Evaldi next year. Hey, let me just uh, jump in. Just want everybody to know. Um, we have a sound in the background. In case you're hearing it, everything's fine. That's me crying. Yeah, that's Chris crying about the new Sonic the Hedgehog movie, which he thinks <laughs> just looks really weird. Uh, or it's me crying because I don't think. I don't think that there's a movie that looks worse than Aquaman. Like Aquaman just looks awful. Um, I'm not gonna see it. But yeah, there's a there's a, a high pitched sound that you might hear in the background. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. We've got it under control. Scott, you're you're bullish on Nate Evaldi. You signed a four year deal for sixty eight million dollars. But dude, where's yeah. my strikeouts? Well, I'm not that bullish. I'm not as bullish as the Red Sox are on him, but. Uh, and it, it depends how it it depends what the perception ends up being. I mean, he did have a big postseason showing, so maybe there's a potential for him to be overvalued on draft day. But if he's going right around fiftieth at starting pitchers, I I would be I would be glad to take him because the way he changed his arsenal made what's what would be a, what do we always said about Nathan Evaldi? Oh, he throws hard, but it's not a particularly effective fastball. He doesn't miss bats with it, right? Uh, he changed his primary secondary pitch, if that makes sense, to a cutter, which is closer both in shape and velocity to his fastball. And what happened with that change is his swinging strike rate on the fastball itself went way up. So he 
learned a way to maximize his full arsenal. And I think that's what we saw coming to fruition in the postseason. I think there's, I think you could classify him as a breakout candidate. Chris, yeah. what do you think of Aldi breakout candidate? Sure. In the same way that any pitcher can be a breakout candidate, I suppose. I, I'm not super enthused by Nathan Evaldi. Um, it's a super limited track record of him being a useful fantasy option, really. Like, even when he was in Miami and he had, like, a, I think he had one season with, like, a, a mid to high three ZRA, he wasn't that good for fantasy. Last year, it was 45 innings or so with the Red Sox. Um, 54. What? 54. 54 innings, 333 ERA, uh, 12 walks, 48 strikeouts, only three home runs allowed. You know he gets a lot of ground balls. And he's probably not going to be a very good whip guy. Uh, and we should keep in mind this great story, incredible what he did for the Red Sox, uh, what in the uh, ALCS when he came in on no days rest. Uh, he came in on like no days rest at one point, right? Well, uh, I'm not sure, but here's – well, okay, here, here's what happened. He had a start against the Yankees in the DS, seven innings, five hits, one run. He had a start at the Astros, six innings, two runs. Um on two on six hits, and then he made four relief appearances in the World Series. In the first three, they were pretty conventional: three and a third innings, one hit, no runs. Then he threw six innings in an extra innings game. Yeah, I think he took the loss actually, but he gave up two runs in six innings, pitched very well. Yeah, he threw six innings after throwing two innings, and and this is a guy who's had two Tommy John surgeries, had elbow surgery. I think he had elbow surgery at the start of last season, right, to remove some loose bodies. Um. I don't remember that, but you're always right about that stuff. I just, there's a lot of risk beyond just the fact that he just might not be that good. Like, I, If he goes like 200th overall, I'm fine taking him there uh, because there's no risk. But if he starts to creep up or if there's someone in your league who likes him a lot and wants to take him like the 13th or 14th round, I'm fine passing too. Okay, it's Nate Evaldi, so... What else? What else has happened? I don't want to just go news item by news item, but what else has happened that you think has a big fantasy impact? We got McCutcheon, three years, fifty million dollars to the Phillies. Uh, Brandon Morrow could miss the start of the season. He was excellent last year. I think he had twenty four saves and twenty six chances before going on the DL. Could miss the start of the season due to elbow surgery. Buster Posey might not be full go at the start of the season. Uh, he had off season hip surgery. Kenley Jansen expected to be 100% for spring training. I think the most important thing is that Adam Adovino thinks he'd strike out Babe Ruth every time. And he's 100% correct. You know, I... Without I, That's without what I question. thought. That's what I thought, too. In, but, in a time machine situation. But, if we're doing like a... If we're like stealing Babe Ruth from the orphanage when he's two years old and moving him into, you know, 1992 and bringing him up with... Okay, then Babe Ruth would be very good. But in a strictly time, like, if Babe Ruth just gets dropped into the middle of, I don't know, Coors Field next year, and he's facing Adam Adovino, first of all, imagine how terrified he is by, like, the the scoreboards and all the, t- like, planes and everything. <laughs> right. You're introducing so, like, some variables he's here. He's just so thrown off. An yeah. iPhone would absolutely terrify Babe Ruth. An iPhone, yeah, probably. All right, but what if you dropped? What if you dropped Adam Adovino into nineteen eleven? He'd be the greatest pitcher in the history of the world. 
Yeah. He that, would strike out every single player. That's kind of they what I thought. But, from baseball. But I don't want to argue with Tim Kirchin. Tim Kirchin was like, this is ridiculous. Babe Ruth would be amazing no matter what. He's wrong. Of course. <laughs> of course. It's ridiculous. Scott, what do you think? How many? What would. If he, if he gave uh, Babe Ruth 50 at bats against Adam Adovino, what would his batting average be? Well, I don't think Adam Adovino would literally strike him out every time. But the broader point that Adovino and Chris are trying to make, I think is true. Like, just the, the way pitching has evolved over a hundred years is, uh, it would, it would blow Babe Ruth's mind. Now, I, I, I think Babe Ruth would be like Tim Tebow. I think that's what he'd be. I think he'd be a poor man's Madison Bumgarner. I think he'd hit 250. No way. Not a chance. <laughs> With all the shifts? He No, he wouldn't hit... He wouldn't... He would strike out more than 75% of the Can time. we look up like what he did against like Christy Mathewson? Is there any it way doesn't to... matter. This is the thing is that those dudes were throwing like 89 mile an hour fastballs. Are they? No I, I thought they pitching. were throwing pretty hard. Oh. I thought that no. was here's, all right, here's Does Brooks my thing baseball on this have, uh, have a velocity reading? On here's here's my thing on, the, on this general topic. You look at like the world record for like the 100-meter dash in 1911. It was probably like a second and a half slower than it currently is. It, it, anytime that we can measure things like that, the amount of progress that has been made constantly improves. Of course. And in sports, for some reason, people believe that, like, 210-pound Kevin McHale would be able to dominate the NBA in 2018. Like, it just, progress moves forward. But he was, but Babe Ruth was really big. Like, Babe Ruth's even a good size for today's game. I think Babe Ruth was, like, he was, like, 6'2", 2-something, 2,000. Pounds. Babe Ruth was 6'2", 215 pounds. He was like Paul Goldschmidt's size. Yeah, he's a big dude. You know, he's well, not I mean, we're, we're sticking a... with the time machine scenario, right? Like, if Babe Ruth had a year to face Adam Adovino to, like, practice against him, I think he could then be maybe two... he'd be fine. He'd hit 250. All right, so what other fantasy stuff? Scott, what's got your rankings in an upheaval? I don't know that anything has them in an upheaval their closer talk is always going to create the most movement um and there was a report just in the last couple of days that the diamondbacks are leaning toward using archie bradley as their closer which is the first time i think i've actually heard that come out of management's mouth there um, no, it wasn't that great last year, but we know how good he can be. And, you know, if I, I would prefer clarity in that situation because prior to that, there was none. Boxberger kind of imploded and nobody else really stepped up before the season's end. Uh, so that's one thing. Andrew McCutcheon, uh, I'm surprised he got the deal he got with the Phillies. I didn't think he'd get a three year deal anywhere. Yes. Uh, but I do, I'm still intrigued by the idea of him playing in a hitter's park for an extended period. I know it didn't lead to much with the Yankees, but obviously it was a much smaller sample. He's going to get a full season to show what he can do there. I mean, yeah. Pittsburgh's and San Francisco, certainly tough place to hit. 
Sure. And, and they, yeah, well, I'm sorry. Let me just give the numbers on McCutcheon. He, he batted only 225 at Yankee Stadium, but he slugged 450. This is 11 yeah. games, so you don't want to make too much of it. But I mean, five homers and 87 at bats. That's five homers. With, I had two homers overall with the Yankees. Oh yeah, no, at Yankee Stadium, he had two homers in 11 games. Uh, so he had last two years his his OPS at home and on the road was nearly identical, but his power was much better on the road um, where like his OBP would be better at home. So that was the weird thing. Uh, yeah. So McCutcheon just look, everybody knows if you listen to this podcast, you know, I'm not a McCutcheon guy, but just the raw numbers. Keep in mind, he, he plays a lot of games. He plays like 155 games every year. The last three years haven't been great years for him. And he's been number 19, number 10 and number 20. Well, I'll go in chronological order. Number 24, number 10 and number 19. 2016, 17, and 18 in points leagues. Number 26, number 17, and number 33 outfielder in categories slash rotisserie leagues. Um, He's probably going to go underdrafted next year because uh, we're going to get excited about other guys and kind of pass on him. But he hit 20 homers and stole 14 bases. And there aren't a ton of guys who do that. Even, you know, hopefully he won't hit 255 again. But yeah. I still think he's a useful fantasy option, especially in—I mean, really in both formats. Well, in OBP yeah, leagues, he's this, he's much better. This yeah. is a really good scenario for him because he's yeah. 32 years old, and the numbers have obviously declined in recent years. But the batted ball profile has remained virtually the same. Um, so, uh, I mean, uh, uh, going to a small park could be what brings that last bit of juice out of him. And just for context, in those early mock drafts that I've mentioned in previous podcasts, his ADP was 153. I love him at that value. Yeah, even I like Andrew McCutcheon at that value. Um, can Can I mention a move that hasn't been made yet, but hopefully will be made, that could have a huge impact on rankings? No. Can we get Martinez somewhere? Where, who? Jose Martinez, can we just get him somewhere? Well, it's the the Dodgers are the latest team that's interested in him, which is not where I would makes, like to see him go. That makes perfect sense. Does it? From the standpoint of what kind of team they are and how they view players. But it, I would hate it. Yeah, right. right he's, it would... he's a DH, and he just needs to be a DH. And can we get him to, like, the Rays? Yes. Or something? That would be great. Or the White Sox? Mm. Well, sure. Let me tell you the rumor that I think would have the biggest fantasy impact. Jim Bowden saying that the Rockies are interested in trading for a first baseman. And the ones that he said could possibly be on the list would be Carlos Santana, Edwin Encarnacion, Jose Abreu, and Will Myers. So it looks like... Jose Abreu would be amazing in Coors Field. (laughs) That would be so much fun. He could legitimately put up Nolan Arenado numbers in Coors Field, I think. Okay. Given the fact that he hits 290 already every year... Like he could hit 310 with 37, 38 homers every year over there. It would be fun. So we'll, hopefully that'll happen. I'm going to just say some other headlines, and you tell me if there's any fantasy impact, if you care at all. Uh, well, Brandon Morrow might miss the start of the season due to elbow surgery. So that's important, right? Sure. Could be. Who, who, I, I expected him to be the Cubs' closer, so yeah. Is there another name that comes to mind? Well, Pedro Strope's a free agent, and he was the one who filled in for Morrow down the stretch last season. 
Uh, I imagine I imagine the the Cubs opening day closer isn't on their roster right now. Okay. Uh, more news. Buster Posey might not be full go at the start of the season. Where I wonder where he's going. Buster Posey. 176th in those drafts, and there were somewhere he was after 200. Yeah, McCutcheon like or Posey? Posey. Posey. Oh, okay. Uh, Kenley Jansen expected to be 100% for spring training. I already said that one. All right, uh, other stuff. Billy Hamilton, one year, $5.25 million to the Royals. Love it. Uh, yeah, it's good news. It's good news. Team that actually wants to play him because for some reason they think it's 1984. <laughs> I mean, they might have the league's top three base dealers in their lineup uh, between him, Mondesi, and, and Whit Merrifield. So that's that's interesting. And I think I think Hamilton was such a disappointment last year. I mean, he didn't do the one thing you draft him to do, really. He had less than 30 stolen bases, and obviously he hit poorly like he always does. Uh, but I see no reason to think he can't get back to being a 40-50 steal guy, and now you probably don't have to pay a fourth, fifth, yeah. sixth round pick for him. Yeah, dude, if Billy Hamilton can just hit 250, let me tell you what he's done as a 250 hitter with more than 600 plate appearances in 2014 and 2017. I mean, it's not like going to completely blow you away, but he was a top 20 outfielder, I think both times, in Roto. You know, in points leagues, you can you can leave him, but just just hit two fifty. He hit two thirty four, I think, last two thirty six. Just hit two fifty, Billy Hamilton. That's and it, it's it's a good fit for his skill set in that park too, because he's a great defender. They have a big outfield, so you know he. You would guess he probably hits ninth in that lineup. Um, they might have a two eighty team on base percentage, but. Just let them run. The way they let Whit Merrifield and Adalberto Mondesi run last year and the fact that they signed this guy, that actually, it kind of makes me like Merrifield and, and Mondesi a little more too because this is clearly, it seems to be an organizational philosophy. that they Half want. the league's stolen bases are going to come from Kansas City. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, other stuff. Carlos Carrasco signed a three-year contract extension. Only $37.25 million. He, he needs a new agent. Right, right. What was that all about? It, I mean, it was it guaranteed an option year that the team had for 2021, I believe, and then added, uh, I think, two years on after that. But like the most he's going to make at any point is like 14 million per year. It's wow. it's wild. Yeah, that's what that's quite a deal for the Indians. Uh, Detroit signed Tyson Ross to a one year deal, five point seven five million. Tyson Ross. Cool. Yeah. No thanks. Oh, this is going to end up well. Philly manager Gabe Kapler says he's going to hold his players publicly accountable more often. Players love that. <laughs> sure. I, whatever. Uh, okay. Tampa Bay is going to continue to use an opener. Uh, Dave Roberts and Clayton Kershaw are both hopeful that Clayton Kershaw can regain some velocity this year. Pittsburgh's going to use an opener. Or they're going to experiment with an opener. They mentioned that in so, recent days. Yeah, so uh, that leads us to an email that we can read now from Jesse. Jesse says, I guess, Chris, what did you say about openers a few? That I don't think it really matters all that much, and that Tampa Bay was really the only team that did it all that often. Jesse says, I claim poppycock and shenanigans on two things Chris said. First, multiple teams experimented last year with the opener concept to finish the season, with the A's even starting Liam Hendricks in the wild card game. 
No way the Rangers won't at least think about it with who they have. Chavez might end up with 15 wins. Bold prediction. Secondly, positional eligibility doesn't matter. I keep pace in my daily leagues because I can switch my players according to their pitching matchup with necessities, with which necessitates. What'd you say? That's a, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a mischaracterization of my argument. I Jesse. agree, Jesse. It, Jesse, not, positional eligibility does matter. It doesn't give you like it doesn't. It it's not like because I think the question was Jose Ramirez, and if he was second base eligible and third base eligible, would he be better than Mookie Betts and Mike Trout? It's valuable. It matters. It doesn't fundamentally change how you value a player. And I don't think it matters as much as it did five years ago. And there's there's not as much a difference between shortstop and first base and outfield anymore. Yeah, no, but there's but, one position where value really changes. Yeah, but players with multi position eligibility can Especially really help. They can help you for sure. Uh, that's important. But yeah, it's like position scarcity is what Chris was talking about, right? Uh, yeah, a little bit of both. Right, okay. Uh, what else we got here? Mickey Calloway said that Peter O'Brien has a chance to make the opening day roster. As who? What? As the uh, First the stand-in until they're ready to call up. I'm legitimately uh, confused right now. You wait. mean Peter Alonzo? Yeah, Peter Alonzo. Peter okay. Alonzo. Yeah. Peter O'Brien is on the Marlins. Peter Alonzo uh, might be as their first baseman. Okay, that's who I was referring. Okay, awesome. so that makes more sense. I I just assumed the Mets had picked up O'Brien on a minor league deal or whatever. But I think Peter Alonzo could be Reese Hoskins. I think it's a it's a similar skill set for me. <clears throat> Toronto released Troy Tulowitzki. The White Sox acquired Ivan Nova. Andrew Benintendi is going to lead off, and Mookie Betts is going to bat second. Cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, Mickey Calloway said Edwin Diaz is the closer, and it makes sense to keep him in that role. So that's good. Yeah. Baltimore yeah. is going to hire Cubs bench coach Brandon Hyde to be their manager. I think they everybody Hyde. Yep. And Brian Cashman says Gary Sanchez is the Yankees catcher. Until they trade him. <laughs> then he's and not. There's been some like rumors of the Yankees being involved with JT Romuto, but there's also rumors that it could be a three-way that they're involved with. So Gary Sanchez is good. Just let him play. Oh, I would love to see Noah Syndergaard go to the Yankees. How fun would that be? I I'm I'm grateful for any new pitcher for Yankees to fans to turn on inevitably <laughs> um yeah we'll hate paxton soon all right scott's shortstop rankings uh let's get into him in just a bit but i'm excited about today's sponsor because i was looking at some pictures today and because facebook did a thing that made me very emotional it put together like a photo album of my 2018 and i'm just getting older i am getting older have you ever looked at a photo of yourself from five years ago like this was like less than one year ago, but from five years ago and thought, damn, I looked young. What happened to that guy? Where did all these wrinkles come from? When did I start looking like my dad? Well, if you're worried about aging, we've got 4 for you. 4 slash F-B-T-Skin. F-O-R-H-I-M-S. 4 slash F-B-T-Skin. It's your skin. So get the anti-aging kit from 4hims.com slash fbtskin and save $20 off your first month. Hims is an anti, has an anti-aging kit. It's a custom prescription cream tailored to your skin that can keep your skin looking youthfully smooth by reducing the appearance of wrinkles 
and fine lines. And it, there's no secret here. It's tretinoin. Its results are backed by science. You can renew and restore your skin by increasing collagen, and that's the protein that keeps your skin firm. So this is really easy to use. It takes just seconds to apply. It's the same treatment that celebrities use uh, to keep their faces looking young. And, you know, we're celebrities in our own right. So we should be using <laughs> the forhims.com slash fbtskin anti-aging kit. Again, $20 off your first month, forhims.com slash fbtskin. All right, Scott, just a few shortstop questions for you. I don't want to get too deep into these position rankings because it's almost January. We're going to be doing these for real pretty soon. <laughs> but, this uh, is a warm-up. Yeah, this is a little warm-up, just a little peek. Yeah, crack your knuckles. What uh, What do you think about Trey Turner? What kind of a hitter is Trey Turner? I think Trey Turner is a poor, like a, he's a low line drive hitter. So he's always going to be, unless that changes, he's going to hit for lower average than we want him to. I think that should just be baked into the assessment of him now, instead of just assuming year after year, it's a fluke. He's going to have a huge breakthrough this year. Uh, So I think that means he probably doesn't need to be drafted in the first round in a points league. Now, in a roto league, obviously, he's one of the elite base dealers um, and needs to be drafted in the first round of that format. But I'm not counting on more than like a 275, 280 batting average, more than like 15 homers. And mostly the steals are going to be what carries him. Yeah, the steals were down last year. What's your question, Chris? So last year he batted second 78 times. Uh, so he was hitting in front of Bryce Harper for most of those games. Presumably Bryce Harper didn't miss much time last year. Um, he only stole 16 ba- or 17 bases in those games. In 63 games batting first, he stole 22 bases. Now he attempted 23 in both sample sizes, but still 23 bases in 63 games versus 23 steals or 23 steal attempts in 78 games. That's not nothing. Um, you know, if he's batting leadoff or if they're more willing to let him run when they don't have a big bat like Bryce Harper behind him, that could make a difference. And then, you know, he batted fifth, sixth, and seventh in 17 games and only attempted, he attempted five steals in those games. So if he's batting That's first good. and he's not in front of Bryce Harper, Maybe he gets more opportunities to run. Well, what's the difference in your rankings with him, Scott? Uh, points versus Roto, returner. In, in terms of where he actually yeah, slots yeah. at the position, because uh-huh. you have him fourth in points. Okay. Behind Lind- in... Lindor, Bregman, Machado, Turner. Would you move Turner ahead of any of those three? Lindor, Bregman, or Machado? No, I, I think he's probably fourth in both, but it's a difference of where he. How early he goes among the players overall. Like he's a first rounder in head to in roto. He's a second rounder in head to head. I mean, he's a stud in both, but it's where I'm no longer assuming he's going to transform into a better hitter than the one we've already seen. Okay. Uh, So as long as he keeps running a lot, and there's no reason to think that's going to change anytime in the near future may actually go up, like Chris was saying. Um, he's going to be a stud. All right, last thing on Trey Turner. His 162-game steals pace in three seasons, because we haven't seen him play a full 
Oh, we did last uh, last year, but the, fir- the uh, first two were shortened seasons. Ninety six games, sixty six. Uh, no, sorry. How many games did he no, play? Three ninety eight. Thank you. Um, seventy three steals, seventy six steals, forty three steals. That was his one hundred sixty two game pace for those three years. And last year he played exactly one hundred sixty two games, so it was pretty easy to calculate that. Next question: Do you believe in Trevor Story? What are you singing over there? In life after love. Oh, I thought you were going to go with Do You Believe in Magic, but instead you went with no. Cher. I went with the better song. Chris, do you, do you believe in Trevor's story? Oh. That wasn't bad, was it? That was pretty good. It was too good. Uh, I do not believe in what Trevor's story did last year. And I didn't believe in what Trevor's story was doing all season. And I looked like a big old dummy <laughs> doing that. You still do. <laughs> So, yeah. Look, if if, I, he, if if the strikeout gains hold, and if he continues to run, which yeah. were th- those were the biggest changes last year, and it made him a stud. So if if that happens, then I see no reason to think the other numbers won't follow suit. But it's a big if. I mean, we a year ago at this time we were saying if the strikeout gains hold for Giancarlo Stanton. He's going to be an MVP caliber player again, and they didn't, and he was right. So that's and what you, that's what you sort of attribute 2017 to. Like, why was 2017 so bad for Trevor Story? The strikeout rate was horrible, right? But it was pretty bad. It was bad in 2016, and he was amazing. Yeah, that was the bigger fluke, I think. Okay, Under, understood. And how many steals would you project for for Trevor Story? He had what did he have last year? That's the impossible thing to say. He had uh, twenty seven. Twenty seven. He stole. He attempted thirty three steals in one hundred and fifty seven games. Now part of that was he was on base more, but not that much more because he only attempted nine steals in one hundred and forty five games in twenty seventeen. Um, I don't know how you answer that question. Like that's 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 a huge question for him because you know, if he can sustain those strikeout games then it's not going to matter. He's going to be very good no matter what uh because of the power in the and the park that he plays in. But if he slips back to 30% strikeouts and all of a sudden maybe he's more of like a 265 hitter, then the stolen bases could be really key. It's it's a lot of ifs. I mean, I think the upside is legit. One way I could sum it up is I'm putting together my top 100 dynasty rankings right now, and part of that process is I I get I assign every player a score, a one to five score, five being the best for present value, future value, and confidence. How confident I am in them reaching their present and future value. Uh, Tra- Trevor Story is a five five two. Meaning my confidence level is only a two on that one to five scale. He's going to be the highest ranked player who's only a two in terms of my mm, confidence level. But that, I, I mean, it, it's a risk. It's a risk, but that's probably why you're going to get him in the second or third round instead of the first round. Chris, you got any ADP? Yes. I have two different sources in front of me. Which one would you prefer? They both mostly agree. Source one. In those nine, uh, the two sources are those nine early mock drafts that are on fan graphs. And the other one is the National Fantasy Baseball Championship ADP, which is picking from 
only 15 leagues, so it's neither is more robust than the other. Uh, uh, but he's well, in the 20 range okay. in both. He's 22.8 in uh, in those nine early mock drafts. Man, yeah, that is a risk. That is a risk for a second round pick for sure. Uh, Scott, you think you can convince? Actually, I don't know where Chris is on this. Uh, Corey Seager, you have ninth. Alberto Montesi, you have twelfth. Can you convince Chris to like them? I, I, I think Chris is going to like Corey Seager this year. I don't think Chris liked Corey Seager as a second or third round pick, but as a sixth or seventh round pick, I think he's fully on board. And I don't. I think the the track record of position players coming back from Tommy John surgery is favorable enough that um, I, I, I think you should. I think everybody should steer into that. It, it part of it's part of the reason he's able to slide that far is because the positions improved as a whole so much. Trevor Story's become this stud level player. Um, uh, you know, Xander Bogarts has started to live up to the potential more. I think there's a couple names I'm forgetting too. Bregman, Manny Machado, they're both eligible there. Uh, there's there like. Why it's kind of just the guy coming back from Tommy John surgery has to go behind all these guys because he's coming back from Tommy John surgery. So he ends up being a great value. Azer, do you have his uh, points league ranks for the last couple of years? No, I don't. Corey Seager, but I can get it for you. Yeah, because my thing with him is I think he's a lot better in head to head than points or the head to head than Roto. Excuse me. Um, in 2017, he had a good year. He hit 295 with 22 homers, 85 runs, 77 RBI. He was the number 77 overall player in Roto and number 10 at shortstop. I think he can be better than he was in 2017, but he's still, there's, there's a limit on how good he can be in Roto for a couple of reasons. One never going to be a big home run guy unless he changes his swing because he just doesn't hit the ball in the air very much um and two he just doesn't steal bases he's a little bit like the pre big breakout freddie freeman this is Corey seager we are talking about and he was number 10 in roto in 2017 he was number six in points and yeah like chris said, he had 295 22 home runs four steals and about one walk for every two strikeouts uh, only drove in yeah, like seventy-seven runs. Incredible plate discipline. He's gonna hit for a high average, but yeah, very safe batting average source. Yeah, but that's one of the one of the best the, line drive hitters in the game. That's kind of the only place that he's really stood out so far in his career. Okay, guys, uh, how about Alberto Mondesi? So, Chris, is that you? You just don't you think he's going too early, or you just don't have much interest at all in Mondesi? So I, it, it's tough. I was, I think I was talking to Scott about this in the office the other day where I was going through, um, my road evaluation, uh, and looking at projections. And I kept trying to tinker with Adalberto, Adalberto Mondesi's projections to get him out of like the top 30 range. It's hard. If he's going to steal a lot of bait, this is the thing with Roto. If you're going to steal 40 bases, kind of doesn't matter what else you do. You're going to be a top 30 hitter. It's really hard not to be. And, and that's because they're so scarce. And if he if he steals 55 bases next year, 
he might be a second round type of player. And there's, there's there's a ton of risk in his profile. Yes, there, there is. I mean, he, he only became a hitter. Uh, what last year at triple a, that was the first sign that he could hit some and, uh, horrible in terms of plate discipline. But Mondesi made the kind of contact last year that um, it seems like it would sustain, like it could sustain a high BABIP, and the strikeout rate really wasn't as bad as I think the general assumption would be. Plus, he has power, so I feel like this is I feel like this is Billy Hamilton who hits home runs, and and he strikes out. I mean, Billy Hamilton used to go in round four himself. So uh, who did you who you have him twelfth Mondesi? Who did you put him ahead of? Like who just missed the cut in your top twelve? Well, I have him twelfth in what points leagues? I think in Roto, I have him seventh. Ooh, okay. And it was kind of a similar process Chris was talking about. Like, okay, I know Corey Seager's better than Adalberto Mondesi. I know Xander Bogarts is. Uh, yeah, you do. So I wanted to rank them ahead of him, but when push comes to shove, based on the needs Mondesi has the potential to meet. You can't draft him ahead of. You can't draft him behind them. You, well, you have, have him ahead, ahead. Of, Car- of Carlos Correa in Roto. Yeah, that's a spicy it meatball. Makes it makes sense. I mean, it does. But Carlos Correa has been an underwhelming fantasy option. Not for... not two years ago. Okay, but for most of his career, I think it's fair to say overall he has not lived up to expectations. And you know, and now he has back many, issues. How many? I, I think he's still closer to Seager than not. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think I could do that. I just, I, I have much more faith in Carlos Correa than I do in Mondesi. Repeating, I understand the steals and you know. now here's here's where it gets interesting. Here's the shortstop eligible players who were drafted ahead of him on average in those nine early mock drafts: Didi Gregorius, uh, which he's not going to play early next year, right? Yeah, he's going to miss it probably at yeah, least a month this was and a half. Probably free. That yeah. news. Right, right, right. Yes. Gene Segura, who I like a lot, but fair. Glaber Torres, Corey Seeger, Xander Bogarts. I I think he's in that discussion. Yeah, I could see that, but I think Carlos Correa has first round potential. None of those other guys do. Carlos Correa is going forty eight spots higher than him. I don't think that's a premium that I'm gonna be willing to pay. Sure, could also understand that. Scott, uh, Chris, Scott, anything else you guys want to look at with Scott's shortstop rankings? I mean, just generally speaking, I, I've talked about how many more high-end shortstops there are and how I still consider Corey Seager a high-end shortstop and I have him ninth. That should tell you that it's really less less than ever before. It's a position you don't need to pay up for. So, like, I would be thrilled to get Carlos Correa at his going rate. Seager at his going rate. Um, I probably won't be the guy who drafts Mondesi. But it, in a points league, I think he could be end up end up being a huge value because everybody's just going to assume he's this roto-specific guy. And when even though big base dealers, I mean, two points of steal, that adds up to big point production, too. So I think there's a lot of potential to get in the middle rounds a shortstop who performs like a stud 
And that's not something we've like, there's more potential to do it at that position than at first base, which is just crazy to think about. Hmm. I only got one more email to read here and then we will let everybody get on their merry way. And I will read it uh, right after this. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. All right, here we go at Fantasy Baseball at CBSI.com. This email comes from Gangsta Santa. Ooh. Yeah, Gangsta Santa. Can Cole Hamels come close to replicating his 2018, just as 2018 with the Cubs, over the full season of 2019? I'm looking to go back-to-back in my Dynasty League. Could use a stable arm. Uh, pitching cats, meow, are quality starts, strikeouts, ERA. I don't have to read all this. Um, would you <laughs> give up a guy like Dakota Hudson for Cole Hamels? Yeah, I don't think Dakota Hudson has enough upside to pass up what I, I see is like a number three arm in fantasy he had a 236 era and 12 starts with the cubs which isn't going to happen but he's he uh he improved enough as a strikeout pitcher and most of the really bad home run starts came when he was in texas last year uh, that i think he's a mid three zra guy still and will eat a lot of innings probably probably uh win a decent number of games too with the cubs would you rather have Nick Pavetta or Cole Hamels? I'd rather have Cole Hamels. Chris, yeah, I, I'd I, probably rather have Cole Hamels. I probably won't draft Cole Hamels very much, though. Cole I Hamels, still believe in Nick Pavetta, though. Hamels or um, Chris Archer? Archer for me. Yeah. Higher ceiling. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Gangsta Santa, for not terrorizing us and for emailing us instead. Appreciate that. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Is, are you guys in next week? Yeah. I am. All right. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it up next week, that. baby. When it's, uh, oh, God, just shut up, Adam. Just end the show. All right. Goodbye. Bye.